0: From the Tulsa world, this is the OSU Sports Extra podcast, sponsored by Albert G.'s Barbecue. What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown here in the Eagle newsroom. But we we, we got a joint effort today to break down the Texas Bowl. I'm joined here by uh, Dean Rule of the Tulsa Tulsa World. Of course, uh, the Tulsa World is a Lee Enterprise paper, so we're sister papers here at the Eagle. Uh, So we're doing a combined My Aggie Nation podcast and OSU uh, Sports Extra podcast today uh, to break down that Texas Bowl. Dean? How's it going? You ready, you ready for a bowl season or, or at least this bowl game?
1: Of course. I mean, I, I think this is going to be an interesting one uh, as bowl game. Bowl games are kind of getting a little weird these days, Travis. They're, they're kind of throwing it back and forth on how much they exactly matter. But I think this is going to be an interesting one, uh, you know, an identical matchup to what we saw back in 2019.
0: But still, I think one that's got quite a few storylines that are going to be interesting to follow yeah, let's start out with the uh, Oklahoma State side of things. and what are some of the biggest storylines heading into uh, uh, the Texas Bowl?
1: Well, you know Travis, this has been such an interesting season for OSU because not too long ago, if we go back to September, this team was two and two and they lost to South Alabama. they lost to Iowa State. Uh, it, it didn't you know you could almost make an argument that, this OSU team wasn't gonna make a bowl game. Um, But I think as most people who follow college football know, uh, Ollie Gordon emerged at running back. He goes on to win the Doak Walker. He puts up some numbers that haven't been seen in Stillwater since Barry Sanders was here. Um, So that's for sure a storyline, just what Ollie Gordon's done this year, how they're gonna continue to use him uh, in this final game of the season and and just kind of the emergence of this offense that looked so stagnant last year and looked like it just had zero life, how it's kind of blossomed in conference play. It leads to them making a big 12 title game against the Texas team that they really did not match up that well against, but, um, uh, you know, and, and it results in Mike Gundy's 18th straight bowl game and uh, th- th- that's kind of what you're going to get with this OSU team.
0: Yeah, from an A&M perspective, uh, it's been a tumultuous two seasons really for them. The five-win season last year that really kind of put Jimbo Fisher on the hot seat, even though we, we didn't quite suspect it that it was going to shake out uh, the, the way that it did. Uh, and then narrow losses this year to um, some teams, but it ended up just being a, a seven win season. Jimbo Fisher was fired uh, after a win against Mississippi state uh, here in Kyle field. Uh, and they had an interim head coach situation with Elijah Robinson taking over the helm. They beat Abilene Christian the next week, but then lost to S LSU to, to close out the season. It, it's been two years since a, M ha- has been in a bowl game 2 years ago they were supposed to play in the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest but backed out due to uh COVID-19 uh COVID-19 outbreak that kind of spread through the uh the, the the team and then last year of course the for the five wins they uh, didn't make a bowl game for the first time in a very long time so uh, it's a fan base that hasn't been a part of bowl season for a couple of years and that's that's weird around these parts. Um the Texas A&M has also gone through three quarterbacks for the second time in two seasons. Um it's they started with Connor Wigman, who is their uh quarterback of the future, and he was injured, broke his foot, and was out for the remainder of the season during the Auburn game early in conference play. Enter Max Johnson as the backup quarterback for the second year in a row. And uh he made it all the way to um uh the 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 right before the mississippi state game and he got injured uh transferred jalen henderson from fresno state who hadn't even attempted a pass in two years and was a backup at fresno state and he's actually done a really good job in the last three games of the season uh running a little bit more of an rpo type game and, and doing some stuff with with his legs so um It's been a wild and crazy season for the Aggies, but one that has been really nailed down in the wins that they have had by a really strong defensive front.
1: And yeah, Travis, you talk about it's been a crazy season and I assume it's probably gonna be a a bit of a hectic off season with what's going on in the portal right now for A&M and uh, you know, OSU went through their own crazy, hectic, out of control portal exodus last year. I think that's something that a lot of OSU people are interested in knowing about. Kind of what does this Texas A&M roster look like uh, a week out now from from the bowl game?
0: Yeah, right now they have, uh, I believe it's fourteen players in the portal. the 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 key ones, the the guys that are at really uh, turn some heads, are uh, guys like uh, Walter Nolan, who was. The highest rated recruit that AM ever pulled in, a part of that 2022 recruiting class that was the, 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 the graded best recruiting class and kind of in the history of the modern uh, recruiting era. And Fidel Diggs is a defensive end. uh, That was a really strong catalyst to that A&M defensive front and what they were able to do this year. Uh, He's going to follow Elijah Robinson, the interim head coach uh, to Syracuse. Elijah Robinson, of course, is going to be the defensive coordinator there after uh, this bowl game wraps up. Um, So uh, those are Basically, the main guys. Yeah, tight end Jake Johnson uh, is Max Johnson's brother. He saw some pretty significant time this year, but they they have a pretty loaded uh, tight end room, so you'll see uh, some guys there. And then uh, Evan Stewart, the wide receiver, that was another big get in that 2022 class. He's in the portal as well. The the mostly, you could argue the good thing is that in the places that they lost uh, players. Oh. Also, Deuce Harmon and Tyreek Chappelle, both cornerbacks. That actually is going to be uh, an interesting situation. Probably the biggest vacancy of, of any of the the places. You have guys like Sam McCall uh, who can step in a, a transfer. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see who they throw out there at, at cornerback. Uh, maybe Josh DeBerry uh, could be a guy that could fill in there. Um, but when you look at the defensive line, defensive end, they're pretty solid there. They have pretty good depth. When you look at wide receiver, they have pretty good depth. Evan Stewart missed a significant part of the season here, and with with injuries here and there, and you had guys like uh, Moose Muhammad. Um, uh, Noah Thomas, uh, Jade Walker, who stepped up and did a pretty good job in his absence. Probably the, the biggest absence doesn't even have to do with the portal or the NFL draft. It's going to be Aniah an Smith, who uh, would have played in the game, he said, but he broke his finger uh, during the LSU game and that need, and it needed surgery. So he's going to sit out this game. He is actually declared for the NFL draft along with uh, McKinley Jackson, Layden Robinson, Edron Cooper. Um, but he uh he was that he would have played if it wasn't for uh the finger injury so yeah it, it's gonna be a a depleted team but but i think it's most of the places where guys have moved out it's places where they have a little bit of depth there of course not the same types of players that um are in the portal or or, or going to the nfl draft um but there's no chance of a and m uh, skipping out on the game like they did two years ago, Elijah Robinson said, "If they if they have 11 guys that they can suit up, they'll send 11 guys out there, kind of in that uh, that that 12th man fashion, a little bit of an old old-fashioned type traditional approach there. What about um, Oklahoma State? I know uh, portal and uh, draft it, it hurts every team. What, what's the the outlook for the Cowboys in this game uh, in those regards?
1: So up to this point." I think it's safe to say they've went relatively unscathed. They've lost some some depth pieces uh, to the transfer portal. I think the most notable being their their backup running back, Jaden Nixon, he goes in. Um, that that's gonna leave Ollie Gordon and a true freshman running back. And then there's a red shirt senior Elijah Collins who who could make some appearances. Um, but I'd say outside of that, there's still some time, obviously. Players can still hop in there. Um, and then there could always be a rush after the bowl game. Um, but but for the most part, they've they've kind of held their ground. This is polar opposite to what OSU went through last year. And I think you said AM has 14 players in. That was about where OSU was last year, um, ahead of their bowl game, and and they lost a ton of starters, right? That was when they lost Spencer Sanders, they lost some running backs. They lost some some wide receivers. Um, but th- at, at this current moment, they've done all right there, and, and they've already started to pull some commitments in. Um, obviously, that's not going to affect the bowl game, but th- they really seem to have figured this out a bit better compared to where things were at last year. Um, I, I think they're, the, this bowl game a little bit of an opportunity. They're very... They're not going to call it an exhibition game or a preseason game, um, but I think this is going to be a little bit of an opportunity to see what the depth is able to do. And Travis, based on what you're saying about a and I assume that might be kind of similar. Uh, out of necessity, they're going to have to play some some depth pieces, but uh, for the most part, I think this is kind of figuring out... It, it's Now, tell me what you think of this, Travis, but it almost feels like bowl games have become... Not a way to celebrate the end of the season, but to the first step in preparing for the following season or the upcoming season.
0: Yeah, that's the you know we we heard from Mike Gundy on a virtual press conference you know a couple of days after the bowl game was announced, and and that's pretty much the way that he phrased it. That this is these bowl games are more like a a spring game before the spring game because you you get some guys, and and I actually do think that one way to gauge um, this this game and and who might be the favorite is who has the team that has the most players that have something to prove? Um, who has the most, the, the team that has the most players that, um, want to try to solidify their spot uh, a spot up in the depth chart once spring ball rolls around and and give an opportunity i i, I there you could say that the transfer portal hurts a and m because they do lose some of their starters and i think that that is is going to be a big storyline in this but they do have some guys who have seen decent uh, snaps through the season who um are going to want to come in and try to prove uh, their worth for the next season so uh Th- that's kind of the new version of is the team going to be up for the bowl game uh, I, I kind of feel like the other factor too that I actually didn't even mention earlier I f- forgot about is the fact that yeah am has gone through this coaching change they hired Mike Elko Mike Elko is in the process of bringing in his new staff that'll be here for for the next season including uh, office of coordinator Colin Klein from Kansas State but they're Offensive coordinator. Of course, Jimbo Fisher had a huge say in the offense. He hired Bobby Petrino this year to run the offense and call plays, uh, Bobby Petrino, right after, uh, Jimbo Fisher, or right after the LSU game, went ahead and took the offensive coordinator job back at Arkansas. So he's left, he's not in the building anymore. Uh, and and they also lost wide receivers coach Damian Craig, offensive line coach, Steve Adazio. So it's actually going to be, um, um, James Coley, the, uh, tight ends coach who's gonna move over and, and call plays, be the offensive coordinator for the bowl games. Now he has experience of with that doing that with Georgia several years ago uh before coming to AM. But it's going to be interesting to see what this offense is going to look like, how the play, plays are going to be called. AM's a little bit of a wild card. And I know that's something that uh, Mike Gundy talked about a little bit before, about how do you game plan for a, a team that you don't really know who the players are? But not even that, who who's going to be coaching and who's going to be calling the plays? Uh, has he talked a little bit more about what he's seen from AM and 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 how they're kind of addressing that situation?
1: You know, and and. Even talking to him yesterday during early national signing day, asking him, you know, do you have a better grasp of what AM is gonna be? I um, mean, you know, it, it's uh, it's just, you obviously know it, Travis, it's such a fluid situation right now. It really is hard to kind of game plan for that. And, you know, th- there are some, you know, AM is is the, the top defense in the SEC. That's not gonna change. You know, they, they've lost some portal guys there, obviously Walter Nolan, um, you know, being the headliner. But, uh, you you know, I think at this point in the season, OSU is kind of comfortable to say, you know, we're not going to spend too much time on what's going on on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the field, because we know what we're good at, what we can accomplish. And and we're just going to prioritize that, especially in a game like this, where the focus is going to be on hey, what do we got in some of these guys who didn't play a ton this year let's see let's see what we can do when we throw them out there let's see what they can do um you know th- there's obviously still a ton of talent on that am roster that's going to be a good challenge a good opportunity for younger guys to kind of cut their teeth on, uh, on on something substantial that's not you know just a, a spring game here's your opportunity uh let's see what you do with it and so I think that's kind of the approach that they're going with with an AM roster that's in such a fluid state right now
0: yeah let's let's go back and uh, talk something a little bit more about uh uh ollie ollie gordon you mentioned him early kind of in your uh, things to watch in the season i mean he's been absolutely electric rushing for uh, over 1600 yards 20 touchdowns uh like you said wins the doke walker award uh Tell me a little bit, talk a little bit about that, that progression of him through this season. And it's not going to be a whole lot different than what A&M was expecting coming into that 2019 game when they had uh, Chuba Hubbard and everything he had. But Ollie Gordon just seems to be that that next step above.
1: Exactly. Like you said, you know, OSU's had their dynamic running backs in the past. And, you know, I mean, Chuba Hubbard's starting in the NFL right now. Um, but Ollie Gordon is just a, a little different, right? He he's got that. He's able to get downfield. I think his best trait is just his vision, and that's something that OSU really prioritized after that two and two. They they go two and two, and then they hit the bye week. And and one of the things was just kind of simplifying some stuff on the offensive line in the run game, and and a lot of it was not making Ollie Gordon go side to side, but just saying. Get him downfield because then his vision opens up, and that's how you see him break these big runs and show kind of that power and that finesse. And it's all in this, in this you know, just package that has led to, like you said, 1,600 rushing yards, a Doak Walker award, 20 touchdowns. Um, and he did that, really. I mean, if, if, if you really want to think about it, Travis, he did that in nine games this year. Uh, when they lost to South Alabama, he carried the ball three times. Or 12 yards uh, so you, you've got every trait you'd want in a running back he's showing um, and, and the big thing I think right now for OSU fans is they're waiting for him to say what his decision is right is he gonna come back what's he gonna do that's kind of everybody's holding their breath uh, and I don't think you're gonna get that, that announcement until after the bowl game but um, yeah he, he's the complete package at running back and it, I think it took them a little bit to kind of realize what they had because even, even after uh, their bowl game last year against Wisconsin in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, Ali Gordon was the starter um, because they lost some running backs in the transfer portal. Uh, that w- that was when he was a freshman, and even then, I you know I don't think OSU really saw it just yet. And through the first three games of the season, it it took a little bit of time, and then he just took off and uh, has become kind of a national headline uh, for this program.
0: Sure. Uh, so how, how, how well do you think? I know it was a pretty good split crowd, uh, in 2019. How, what, what's the, the vibe with the fan base about, uh, if they'll travel to this game or not?
1: You know, I think it is, you, you, obviously AM is right there. So they're going to have a, a huge contingent. Um, I believe the largest contingent of osu alumni in the country is in houston Mm. i believe that is the stat so i would expect them not only i think you're going to get some some opportunity from just people being in that city that went to osu but on top of that year i think you're also going to get some people that want to travel down because it's been such a you know at nine and four it's hard to call it a special season but i think it's been a season that a lot of people have rallied behind after such a rough year last year Um, you know, and if you look at, uh, when they were down in Houston to play Houston last month, uh, that was, that was a split crowd, Travis, Uh, I'll give them that they traveled well for that. I think they get a little boost from, from having such a big alumni base in Houston. I'd expect a pretty good crowd from
0: them. For sure. Uh, do we want to close it out with, with kind of some keys to the game? Well, what, uh, what, what keys would you say? Oklahoma State needs to achieve to to be successful in this matchup
1: Yeah, so I think the the first thing is going to be what it's been all year for this OSU defense and that is They can't allow the big plays and it's it's been an up-and-down kind of roller coaster that this is their first year With a new defensive coordinator Brian Nardo who comes from the division two ranks uh, kind of an out-of-the-box hire that I, I think most would agree has been successful but there's areas that need to be improved, um, one of which they, they've really gotten killed in big plays, big passes, big runs um, against an a team that, as we've said all podcast, has still got some talent, uh, regardless of how many people hop in the portal. They are still talented. Uh, and, and so that's going to be, I think, the first key is if, if OSU wants to win this game, the defense is going to need to tighten up. They can't let the you know. Queen Ewers threw for, I think, 464 passing yards in their last game, the Big 12 championship game. They can't let that happen if they want to win this game. Um, I think the second key is uh, in OSU's own passing game, Alan Bowman has, in this might be his final collegiate game ever, depending on what happens with a uh, NCAA hardship waiver. Uh, this could be his final game and he's shown a knack to be consistent but also distribute the ball Um, so if OSU is gonna try to throw in some younger receivers who didn't get to play a ton this year how well can he kind of distribute that around and and keep the offense balanced that's been the key all year for OSU they want to keep that offense balanced if the pass game goes well it opens up the run game if the run game starts well it opens up the pass game that's how they like to play off of it um, because it's when they get one dimensional, that's how you see results like 40, when they lose 45 to three against UCF. Um, so that's going to be, I think, the, the second key. And then the third key is uh, what can Ollie Gordon do? He's a playmaker, he is, you know, the lifeblood of this offense. I don't know how many touches they're going to be willing to give him in a bowl game, um, but whatever he can do with it. In whether it's you know five touches or fifteen, uh, it, it, that could be the difference in in the final score. Um, but on the on the A and M side, Travis, what what are you kind of seeing there?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the run defense looks like and really the pass rush looks like for AM. i mean that's been the staple the bread and butter the everything for this AM this year but you're missing walter nolan you're missing fidel Diggs, you're missing lt overton you're missing probably the most important edron cooper who probably should have been a consensus first team all-american this year or, uh excuse me a unanimous first team all-american this year but he had a couple of second team nods he, he was the for the majority of the season, the highest rated linebacker on pro football focus, uh, and, and was just A&M's everything in that pass rush in that run defense. He's declared for the NFL draft. Isn't going to play in this game. They do have depth there. They do have a lot of guys that can plug and play and they rotated a lot on that defensive front, but I'm just going to be curious to see how well they can manage what has been a really, really good Oklahoma state running attack all season. And if those guys are up to the task to not only, do have, be as productive as the whole group was the whole season, but maybe play some more additional snaps than there may have been used to uh, this season. So that's going to be a factor in this game as well. Also, what's the offense going to look like? I mean, they can't completely revamp a a playbook in, in 15 practices, bowl practices like they have, but it's a completely different play caller, uh, a, a completely different guy than, uh, Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher and James Coley, the calling the offense. What's that going to look like? and then the question that's been the question the entire season for a m is what is the what which offensive line is going to show up the the offensive line has been at times historically bad this year when you want to look at a number of quarterback hits allowed they were leading the they led the country last year in the amount of hits they allowed on the quarterback and this season they were in that running at the top of the list through the majority of the season but uh dropped to second or third there as the season wound to a close Uh, They they allow pressure uh, on the quarterback. The X factor there has been actually has been uh, uh, Jalen Henderson, who has that escapability, has been able to get out of the pocket and make some plays at times, but he's still under pressure. Most of his dropbacks, is that offensive line going to find a little more cohesion in these 15 practices? They're going to be without Layden Robinson, who has been a a stalwart in that starting offensive line because he declared uh, for the NFL draft they were looking like they were going to be without chase Basantis, who has been the starting left tackle through most of the season. Uh, but, He actually took his name back out of the portal. Interesting to see how he factors in uh, with how many practices he's had or or if they're going to mix and match stuff in that. Like you said, this is the spring game before the spring game. I don't know how much of this is going to be, let's go out with all of our starters and and try to go get this thing, or if it's going to be, let's mix some guys in, get some guys some reps and see where the dice falls. Um, But those are going to be some of the most interesting things I'm going to be looking out for because – It's going to be a wild one. They are way short-staffed. I mean, at least as of the last time we talked, and I don't know if this is going to be an official thing where he actually has the headset. I asked, and they weren't sure yet. But Anaya Smith has been coaching the wide receivers because Damian Craig uh, took a job, uh, has left the team, and and I believe is heading over to Auburn. Uh, And so... Anai Smith the senior wide receiver he's been the guy who's been coaching up the wide receivers a lot during practice everybody has said and calling him coach Anai you know for for what these bowl games are worth now i, I wonder if they are going to slap a headset on him and he's going to be the wide receivers coach for the game who knows it's going to be craziness but it also should be a lot of fun because these teams kind of match up strength on strength both ways and that that should be a lot of a lot of fun to watch
1: that's a great line on a on his resume there for Anaya Smith uh, coach before he even makes the NFL
0: yeah he he he's a a vocal guy and people probably already thought he was coaching a lot before he actually kind of gets this uh uh official uh, official unofficial role with the team this season. It does seem even in the last two regular season games uh that am played without Jimbo Fisher, it does seem like the moral of the story has kind of been, hey, everybody, let's go out there and have fun. You know, they've run some trick plays during the LSU game. They they put in uh, Martin Naboo, one of the offensive linemen at running back on a goal line play and let him rumble into the end zone for a touchdown. It would be interesting to see if, they, if, we, if A&M does pull some tricks out of the bag, just because there's this kind of they're walking this fine line of, yeah, of course, they're Texas A and M. They want to go out and win every game they can, but also they're doing some stuff to let the kids have some fun, uh, especially after how hard the season's been. I think it'll be kind of interesting to see if they pull any rabbits out of the hat and um, do some fun stuff. That that kind of that's the way bowl games should be now, right? It should be kind of glorified all star games and and do some fun stuff, do some gimmicks, uh, try to make the sports center top ten because that's kind of what's to play for, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. yeah. Well, hey, Dean, uh, for the Eagle readers and viewers, where can they find your work and find you on social media?
1: Yeah. So on uh, on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it these days, that is uh, at the underscore rule, R-U-H-L underscore book. Um, and all our OSU coverage can be found at OSU Sports dot com or TulsaWorld.com and uh, follow the kind of sidebar over to all our content. So uh, we're gonna have all kinds of coverage in the next week, coverage of the game. Uh, so if you wanna learn a little bit about this OSU team before uh, next, next uh, what is it, next Wednesday, uh, give us a read over there. And uh, Travis, for any OSU people wanting to read a
0: little bit about the Aggies,
1: where, where should they go?
0: Sure thing, uh, all the stories, articles, videos, all the above is on theeagle.com down here for the Bryan College Station Eagle, and you can find me on Twitter X, again whatever we're calling it, at Travis underscore L underscore Brown, or follow the Eagles sports coverage at the Eagles, the Eagle Aggies uh, on on X and Twitter as well. Um, Dean. Thanks so much for giving us some time, and I'm glad we got to do this little joint uh, podcast with uh, two sister papers in the Lee Enterprises uh, uh, Network. So for everyone who's listening to the OSU Sports Extra, thank you, as well as the My Aggie Nation podcast. We'll both talk to you again soon on our respective channels.